This is The Next Turn, the home of conversations about skiing, ski racing, and sport. I'm your host, Martin Wilson, and thank you for joining us in the pursuit of better, to be better athletes, better coaches, better parents, and better fans. This week, a conversation with a gold medalist from the team event at the World Junior Championships, Justine Lamontagne, Cassidy Gray, Raphael Lassard, and Etienne Mazelier. Welcome back to the next turn. It's great to have you here. As always, it's great to have Jeff Vibert and Kara Williams alongside. It took some work this week, but we made it happen. Jeff Vibert, how you doing, man? Anybody or I'd be Kara, buddy. Kara is pretty awesome to be and by every measure. Kara, awesome. are you living up to the measure today, Kara? If I was any finer, I'd be China. Perfect. We'll leave that there. <laughs> this week we have a conversation i was lucky enough to to sit down with the gold medalist for the team event at world junior championships just after panorama um i'm gonna only say their first names because their last names were so hard to pronounce some of them i tried and tried but justine cassidy Rafa, and etienne had a great conversation with them but before we go much further into this conversation jeff why don't you give us the hard facts on the four of these youngsters for sure Etienne Mazelier is a 2001 fifth skier from Stone, Quebec. He's a 36 points SL skier and a 40 point GS skier. He's ranked in the top 300 in the world in two disciplines. Raph Lassard is a 2001 from Bromont, Quebec. He's a 30 point SL and GS skier. He's also ranked in the top 300 in the world. And Cassie Gray grew up in Mark Sharp's program. is from Invermere, BC. She's a 27 point GS skier and a member of the Canadian national team who's had a couple of World Cup starts. She is ranked in the top 150 in the world, two disciplines. And Justine Lomontang is a 2002 from Mont-Saint-Anne, Quebec, is a 36-point skier in both SL and GS, and she is also ranked top 300 in the world. They won the gold medal, as you said, in the team event last week in Panorama, BC. Thanks for those hard facts. That puts them in perspective, some of the best juniors around. Kara, what's the story here? What should our listeners be listening for? Well, guys, well done on the pronunciation of all of their last names. Um, and, and obviously the, the story is that they won the World Juniors Team Parallel Race. It was March 7th in Panorama, BC. Cassidy, Etienne, Justine, and Raphael, they represented Canada in the team event, and they earned a gold medal against three-time medalists, Team Austria, in the grand final. And it was very exciting. And these four athletes sat down with you, Martin, just shortly after their remarkable win, and they spoke about their collective experience as a team, as well as their individual and unique pathways. And they also shared their thoughts with us on the future, which isn't limited to hopes and dreams, but also their frustrations and their concerns about the Canadian stream. It's a pretty fascinating interview, and, uh, and I certainly learned a lot from these four youngsters. Um, they have a bright future ahead of them, and I know that they, they, uh, they just want the best for themselves and for each other. Kara, thank you very much for that. I appreciate that putting in perspective. We'll jump right into this conversation because I think it's pretty interesting to hear from some of the top juniors in the world. Here's our conversation with Justine, Cassidy, Raf, and Etienne on the next one. Thank you all for being here, especially with the crazy schedules. Congratulations on um, the gold medal in the team event at the World Junior Championships. It, it, uh, I'll start with you, Cass. We, we've spoken a few times. Yeah. You got to go home to Panorama. You're sitting out on the hill right now, um, working, being at, at a U12 race. I love that. Um, what was it like to be at home in Pano and race in the World Juniors? Where did, you know, you came from China to World Juniors. Where did where does it fit in? How cool was it? What was it like to be at home racing in an event like that? Uh, well, first off, I would say that this event or this race series was probably one of the best race series I've ever been to in my entire career. Uh, between like our team and the hill and being at home and, and just like the friends that I had there and the coaches that we had there, it was probably one of the best race series that I've ever had in my entire career. So, um, that it that kind of sets the bar pretty high for race yeah. series um but it was also really cool to see all these people that are on the world cup and like all, all my teammates and everything skiing on the hills and the runs that i grew up on like today i was at a race called belinda putnam which um i did 
since I was six years old till when I was 11 years old. And it's on the exact same run that we did the team event on. So it's so funny to have that full circle of us, like me growing up here, me learning to ski here, kind of it being my home and then seeing all the best in the world come here and all like my best friends and my teammates all here for something as big as world juniors. It was a very big full circle moment for me. I bet. Right. Uh, did you feel big or small? Uh, like, like, I think I, I was know. like, sometimes when, when you go home, you feel like a big deal. Sometimes I, I you go home and you don't, and you just feel I, small because you see your roots. I think, I don't know, as a team, like our, our team environment, I think the goal was to make everybody feel big and to make everybody feel at home and like they belonged there and like they were there to compete because we all were. And I think we couldn't have chosen a better team. This group was unreal. They not only was supporting each other, but figuring out what they needed to ski fast and how they wanted to do it personally. And then feeding that into the rest of the team. I think I felt very big, but then I hope everybody else felt the same and felt at home here as well. That's awesome. Uh, Justine, I'm, I'm going to ask you, I, I got to think that as a young Canadian growing up ski racing in Canada, you spent some time in Panorama training. Did it feel like a home race there? One. And then two, when Cass talks about that team environment, could you give us some more details on what that environment was like for you, Justine? Yeah, for sure. It felt like home because we trained a lot in Panorama in the beginning of the season and we raced a lot in like Norams or Canadian Cup. So yeah, it felt like home and like all the people cheering for us and just like our team bonding, like the team was so nice and I felt like we pushed each other to be better and it was very nice to ski with that team. I appreciate that. Etienne, um, you were there for a camp beforehand, correct? You were there for like a week before the World Juniors. What went on in that week of preparation? How did you sort of become a team? And I guess, how did you get selected to the actual team event team <laughs> could you talk about that Etienne? uh yeah for sure i think um well i've had a great uh, gs season like uh, until that point and uh, we had a, a noram gs uh, uh, parallel gs on the noram circuit on, in december so um this uh, this went kind of well i mean on, in the qualification i was starting with a high bib like maybe in the 60s and i qualified 15. And then I made it uh, to the top 10, actually, in the, the actual event. So I think I made my case to race in the PGS there. And, um, uh, f yeah, we also had a camp um, before the actual races. And uh, we did we did a little, um, little speed and then uh, event. And then, I'm, I'm sorry, we did a little uh, speed days. And then we had some, uh, some tech trainings as well. Mm -hmm. So... Um, yeah, I think that made us like confident, and we uh, kind of we were expecting a lot coming to the the races after. Well, you got a lot out of it, so that's good. Uh, Rolf, did you come for that whole camp? Coming again, you're based out of France full time as a PG athlete. Did you come for that camp beforehand? And did you feel like all of a sudden you were just walked into a team? And I guess. Francis made an interesting comment, your coach or one of the coaches, Francis Royal, made the comment. He said, the look on your face is when you got the Team Canada uniform. He said he, 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 he wished we made a bigger deal out of that moment and what it felt like to, to, to be a part of that team. Can you talk about what it's like to spend your, your winter in Europe, come um, back to Canada and represent Canada and put on the Team Canada uniform? Yeah, um, it was great. I came back from, I did go to the same, um, go to Pano the same day as Etienne and all the other guys, like the 25th, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, when we got, when we got the gear, it was great because it was my uh, third, third World Juniors. And it was the, the first time we had the full kits and it definitely made it a little different. Just uh, more of a feeling of being a team. Just, just because we all look the same, all the, the uniforms, and uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Cass, you, when we spoke last year, you mentioned that in in college you really liked that team atmosphere and it did a lot for you. 
Um, spending most of your time in the World Cup this year, there's a there's the national team for sure, but it's a different feeling than a, a collaborative goal of the team. Did you get your fix of that with with this World Juniors event, or or are you getting enough of it on the World Cup that team like that team push? I think, I mean, on the World Cup, it's definitely a different environment. Everybody's there for themselves and needs to put themselves first, which I, I respect so much. The athletes, they are really firm in what they need and what they want. But for me, growing up, I've always done team sports, and, and that's just been such a high core value of mine that coming here was such a different feeling than I felt the entire rest of the season because – it was like, if I did well, but the other girls didn't have their best day, they were still happy for me. And they were still feeling like we took, we took a win home for Canada. And if I didn't do well and the other girls did well, I felt that I still was happy and I still felt like we had accomplished something. And I, even though I didn't really do any, like any skiing to contribute to their results, I feel like we all kind of had a working together sense that made us all feel like when somebody accomplished something, it was a win for all of us. Um, yeah, this, this was a really, a really unique team. I, I I've never been on a team that has come together so close and so supportively that in such a short amount of time. And I think in, in a lot of ways, it was bittersweet for all of us because this is like a flash of what a Devo team could have looked like for our group. And so it, it was so cool to have that, but then also a little bit sad because this, this was the entire project. It wasn't like we were, we were going to get to spend the whole season together. We were going to get to do all these camps and everything together. It was just this, which was a little unfortunate in that sense. Cause I think we for sure. And Kiki and Roth has said, said this multiple times throughout the week, but we made each other better. Um, like everybody pushing each other lifted the level of our skiing to a lot higher than it would have been if we all came in as individual athletes. I'm taking that you said you missed the development team or what you think that might be. And we're going to get to that for sure. And, and we'll dig in there. Um, but, but Raph, since she, since she teed you up there, um, how did, how, how did the group make each other better? What did you do to make the group better? And, and how did you get better because of the group? Well, like Cass said, it was a like great team on such a short notice. We, we most of us all like knew each other prior to this, but still, like for me, some of these guys had been like two years I, since I'd seen them. So we got there, and then immediately first day, we were all eating together, uh, training together, doing everything together, and then it just clicked. And then, what's great is that when when you have a good race. Everybody's there to cheer you on. When you have a bad race, people are still there to cheer you on, make you feel better. And then uh, in the team event, we really saw that. Like every round, even though it was the four of us skiing, the eight other athletes, they were all in the finish, like cheering super loud, giving us so much energy to keep going. And um, for example, I, I messed up a run in the parallel. When I came down, the other guys... Of course, it helped that it didn't get us out of the race. But <laughs> the other guys were very supportive, took the positives out of it, made me feel like it wasn't a, a big deal that I messed up. That kind of spirit, yeah, it just elevates the level for everybody, I think. I appreciate that. Um, Etienne, I, I'm going to sort of take this another step forward. Cass mentioned the development portion of this Um how good was this project for you? And, and the camp before the World Junior Championships, how productive was it? Why are you better now than you were a month ago? Uh, I think it's definitely um, a big change for me this season because on the, the Quebec team, uh, we got a lot of younger guys this year. And I mean, they're really getting there, but it was for sure more of a, of a challenge to like have a like a big challenge in training every day for me. And that was, that's the thing I found in training with these guys. Like really, I really had to push every run if I didn't want to 
feel bad after looking at the timing. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so that was really, um, I think, and, and like it's a there's there was no one in this team that didn't work hard and or lacked some of of, of aspect of like uh, prof- professionalism and everything. So that really like pushed me to do my best and ski the the the, the best I could every training, every race. Uh, Justine, how did you get better over this month? What did you get in this project? Um, bringing the best juniors in, in Canada together to train, to work together and compete together. What'd you get out of that? Uh, for sure. It was super fun to like train in like Slom GS and Super G and he, each girl like bringing something and like pushing each other. Um, I missed a lot of training uh, because I've got COVID, so it's super nice to have still the had the team behind me to like feel that was super special, and yeah. come back and race and just do my best like after like missing a, a bit. So just like having having a team behind me to like push and race as hard as I can. So. I'd like to switch gears. But I'll come back to the bigger development piece. But Justine, what do you think is uh, is the thing that makes you good? What makes you a good ski racer? I'm going to sort of, I'm going to ask each of you this, maybe something internal and external. What's something that you bring to the table that makes you a really good ski racer? And what has been something in your environment, whether it's parents or coaches or geography that has allowed you to be one of the world's best juniors? Yeah, I think for me, like skiing is just like super fun. I, I enjoy a lot just like skiing everywhere. So I think I just want to push hard to to go as fast as I can and growing up um, close to Mont Saint-Anne is something that helped me through my development I think to like just like go ski when I can and yeah just growing up close to a mountain I think it helped me a lot. I I talked to Francis a little bit about you just so you know Uh, he had a lot of great things to say but he said you were a skier before you were a racer you grew up as a skier not a ski racer can you talk a little bit about that and how you ended up being really good at ski racing like yeah. is it just that you got to ski all the time and then somebody put you in a course or how did it sort of go um I grew up with um three siblings so just like watching them like ski I, I love to ski like everywhere just like in the snow and stuff so I grew up just like loving skiing all the like all the trails so mm-hmm. I think when I came to like racing I just like liked it to like to go fast and like follow what my older siblings were doing so you chased i like that i appreciate that raf what makes you good what why are you fast and again maybe something that you bring to the table and and some environment thing that helps you along the way too um i'd say for me the main thing is uh this is might sound a little cliche, but I'm really obsessed with uh, skiing. I'm obsessed with the feeling that I get when I'm going fast, the feeling of linking up good turns, the feeling of getting good results. So I'm ready to do a lot to get that stuff. And um, and then something that makes me a good skier would be some. I haven't always had things like figure it out super easily, ski racing wise. A lot of times I need a, a lot of guidance more than other people sometimes. So for me, coaching is very important. Sometimes I'm not too, uh, not very intuitive. I need someone to tell me what I need to do. So that's something that really helps me be a good skier is coaching in general. What do you look for in a coach? Like, is it just the way they explain things to you or a way that you, like what makes you work well with a coach or what do you require from a coach? If I, I would say I need I need someone uh, to tell me what I need to do. Some people they might be able to figure it out on their own. I've I've shown or I've I've seen that I'm not really like that. Um, I need someone that can see what I'm doing wrong, explain it to me in a way that I'll understand, and then once I understand it, I normally I can uh, execute it pretty well. But do you mo- do you do most of that through video analysis? Is that how you do it? You see the video, say, what do you, coach, what do you see? What do I need to do? 
Is is that how that works, or do you do it on the hill? How much yeah. video do you play with? I do a lot of video, but the hill is, I would almost say, is more important because the the video is good. You get to look after it, but a lot of it is about like what you feel while you're skiing. So if mm -hmm. I do a run that's bad, and then my coach can tell me after that run this is what went wrong, and I remember that feeling. I do another one, and then. I can really work on what I feel when I do good turns, when I do bad turns. So I need someone to tell me that on the hill while it's happening. When you come down to the finish line, do you know if it's a good run or a bad run? Uh, normally I do, yeah. Sometimes okay. it surprises, but I can pretty accurately tell normally. Okay, good. That's a good answer. Uh, Etienne, what makes you good? Why are you so damn good and fast? Um, I think it's going to sound cliche like, uh, like rough, but... I think what makes me good is that I like I control everything that I can control. I don't I don't care about the thing that I can't. So like every day that I go training or race, I know that my 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 body is fit, I'm well rested, my skis are gonna be fast, my edges are gonna be perfectly tuned for the snow that's gonna be at the race or the training. So yeah, I really like to know that everything is gonna be on point and that I only have to worry about what I'm going to do, how I'm going to ski, and, uh, like, how to deal with the stress that I'm, gonna, I'm going to have. So, yeah. Dealing with the stress. That's interesting you say that. Um, Cass, what makes you so good? Uh, for me, I think a lot of it comes from more the mental side, and for me, the biggest thing is that I'm always proud of myself no matter what. Like if I have a bad result, I'll be proud of myself for the way I was a teammate or proud of myself for how I approached it, even if things don't go well. And I think that has kept me going through a lot of really bad times in my ski racing career. And like, especially this season, this season has been far from perfect for me, but just uh, being like proud of the person that I am before the athlete that I am has been really important for me. It's interesting you guys pretty much all have different answers, right? <laughs> From Justine yeah. who says she loves to ski and, and at the end he says he prepares and that's what makes him good and you like to chill and be happy. and uh, All right. That's really interesting stuff. Um, Cass, this year you just said wasn't what you expected. I got to think that how you rolled into the World Cup last year and you popped in the top 30, you thought it was oh, living is easy right and, and then you knew you had some hard work to do um where are you on the learning curve right now going from one of the best skiers in north america to becoming one of the best skiers in the world where are you uh i think this year was a lot of learning so i'd like to think that I, i'm pretty i'm getting higher up on that curve i'm slowly climbing but uh, it's like you said, the expectations, I think from myself and from everything surrounding me were really high for this season because of how I went from being on a club team to being top 30 in a world cup in the span of a month last year. So I think the expectations were really, really high. And this year was a lot about like, how can I prepare myself mentally? How can I prepare, prepare myself physically? And how can I still enjoy myself even when I'm not performing that well and like flip that switch of just because I had one bad race doesn't mean I'm going to have another one today um so there was a lot of learning that went on there and I for sure don't have it all figured out I'm far from having it all figured out but I like to think that what I learned from this year is almost more valuable than the results I got last year because I think all the feelings that I felt all the like crap that I felt after bad races and stuff is stuff that I really don't want to feel again so it's kind of fueled the fire a little bit to make sure that I come into every next race and and I can give my all and I can be competitive because that's in the end my goals in ski racing that's a great answer what have you done with school where what have you decided to do <laughs> well I didn't do any school this year but I, I for sure realized that I miss doing school. And if that ends up being NCAA, then I'll be NCAA. If that ends up being online, it'll be online. But 
definitely next year school is going to be in the mix for me because I really, I, I think I need that to feel like I'm, contri- like I'm accomplishing more than just my ski racing. I want to have something else going too. That's, that's good. Thank you. Uh, Raf, you are on your second year PG over in France. You are in the, uh, if I'm correct, you're, you're in the top 300 in the world in slalom and GS. You're in the top 150 in downhill-ish. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, something like that, I think. What do you, when you sit here, it's middle of March. What do you feel like your pathway options are? What are your options? What are the, well, like, what are the goals and, and what are the options to get towards your goals? Um, for me, for me, I think that, um, my path will be uh, college skiing. Um, looking at going to school maybe next year or the year after, depending on how it works out. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the path I'll go for. Does that mean you do not have national team aspirations or World Cup aspirations, or you just think that that education is the, the next piece of the puzzle? Yeah, a little bit of that, and also it's been so such an um, it's been so hard to understand and anticipate what's going to happen with with the national team, what their criteria is going to be, how they're going to select people. That I wouldn't really feel comfortable banking on that and making that my main goal because it is so um, uncertain. So uh, I feel safer having another plan around that that's a big statement like that says a lot like i appreciate that honesty but that says a lot about sort of the development system that you don't feel you could trust it with your future my, yeah, my it's, right? it's not it's not really that i wouldn't trust the the system it's just i don't i, I don't i doubt it's not sure that there will be one in place if there was one in place i would probably trust it but I don't think there's going to be, I don't think that's going to be an option for me. Interesting. Etienne, where do you feel your options lay? Uh, I mean, I'm going to say, like uh, Raf said, we have, we don't really know what's going to happen with the national team in the next few years. But uh, for me, having the, I'm, I have a French passport because of my dad. So um, that's another option for me. In the, in the next years, I'm kind of starting to look into that because uh, after what we know uh, about the criteria and the national team as a whole, I think it's going to be really hard to get to the level they want us to be with only a provincial team. So yeah, I'm starting to look at my, my options that I could have uh, to go race in France next year or the, the one after that. How many years have you been on the Quebec team? This is my fourth year on the national on the provincial team. Do you feel on those four years on the provincial team that you steadily improved and gotten better? Oh yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, I mean, we we didn't have no rams uh, last year, but two years ago, I think uh, after the whole year, with I uh, raced every no ram from speed and tech, I've had maybe. 50 overall points and this year isn't even done and I'm I'm uh, I have uh, I'm also I'm almost at 300 points I think like in the I'm 14th overall in the standing I mean my skiing has improved a lot in the in, in the last year and this year uh, it's kind of been a little breakout season for me and I did that on the the, the Quebec team I mean we have uh, really good co- coaches and we have a, we have good support but I I don't know like it's not the support that a national team could provide so for sure. How many more years do you? I, 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 let, let me go backwards. What do you know about the criteria now about what it's gonna what it's gonna be coming out? What what do you know? You both said you're not sure about what's coming out. What do you know? Do you know a date they're gonna tell you something? Do, do you know what it might be? What what do you know, or is it anything? <laughs> Uh, we don't really know anything about dates or something, but we for sure know that you kind of have to have to uh, have a spot on the World Cup. So that's like top 100 in the world or 
to uh, on the NORAM circuit. So yeah. Also, I, right. I believe I believe that a podium uh, podium finish at World Juniors was nomination for men. I don't know for women, but yeah. I think that was the same for girls too. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think that was a criteria there. Justine, what are your options? Uh, for me, I think it's a little bit different because I still have one year junior left next year. Yeah. So I'm actually graduating from Cegep this year. So I'm going to university. I think my only option now is really, really like staying for a fourth year in Quebec team. Like, yeah, pretty much. Are you looking at an NCAA pathway or a national team pathway? Do you see them as two different paths? Do you see them as one that you can take, do them both? How, how do you look at? Um, I don't really know. Like the guys, we don't know what national the national team will do. So I don't really know uh, what's going on there. But for sure, I saw a lot of girls from my team go to NCAA like circuits. So yeah, it's for sure something I look um, into so maybe if I don't make national team. So yeah, it's for sure a way I, I'm considering. Let's, let's do this. You guys are, uh, Justine's 20, right? The rest of you are 21 or, or 19 and 20. How? I'm 19 now. Okay. We're so 20. 19 and you're 20. So next year you'll be over 20. That's I gotcha. So if there was a really good it, working development team, in Canada, Roth, would you go there next year? Yes, for sure. Justine, if there was a really good long-standing development team, would you go there next year? Yeah, for sure. Cass, even though you're on the World Cup, <laughs> if there was a group of development team athletes that were pushing from NORAM to World Cup, and it was established team, would you, well, obviously you're on the national team now, but would you have wanted to be a part of it? Yeah, I think how I did it, I missed some major steps in my development process. And I think that was really evident this season. Um, so if there was a program like that next year, I would be so all over that because I think I'm, that's really what I'm, I'm missing in a lot of my skiing on the world cup right now is that development that we don't have <laughs> um so i think if there was i would love i would love to be part of that group Etienne, if there was a development team in canada that was predictable year after year would you want to be a part of it there's no doubt i would like of course i would after seeing what this team is capable of like in such short notice and like the chemistry we we all had there's it's it's hard to Start to say no. Of course, I would. And um, I mean, what what could we accomplish if we had this team for a couple couple years? Yeah. Cass, when you say there are some holes in your development, what do you think those holes were? Can you be specific? What would you do with a year on the development team? Like every kid's like wants to go to the World Cup. You get to go. <laughs> what did you? What do you want in between? Yeah, I mean, I like got nor or i got world cup points before i ever even got a noran top five so um, everything i did was like kind of backwards <laughs> and then it just when it came down to like the really gritty you just have to have solid skiing races i wasn't as strong there because i didn't have i mean i had a base but i didn't have that confidence that okay i'm the best like i i can win races in north america like i didn't i don't know how to race to win kind of or i i do but in some senses i don't like when i came i i just had to like throw down runs the best i could and hope for the best but i think missing that learning to win stage was pretty detrimental for me this year um yeah but then also, like, I, I just backing on what you were saying, like how or what Etienne was saying about this group. Um, I think if like the last time that Canada had results like this in World Juniors was when they still had a Devo team. And now you see 
how amazing those athletes are doing on the World Cup now. Like we have six girls going to World Cup finals. That's huge for Canada. I think that's huge for Canada. And we had Cam Alexander winning races like like in it, without having ever been on the podium before. Like that's also huge for Canada. And I think so much of what we're looking at right now that's happening on the World Cup is a result of that development system that they gave them like back six years ago, seven years ago. Um, and yeah, I like our group showed such strength without that program that I think with a program like that, we would be, we would be where everybody else is right now in a few years, you know? What do you think? Of, um, I'll start with you, Cass. What do you think a development team program costs? I know it's expensive. <laughs> I know it's quite expensive. Um, I'm, not, I'm not asking this to. I'm not asking this to be an ass. I'm asking this to 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 see what you think it's worth and see. I, I, don't I know. think. I I don't know like exact numbers or anything, but I know because it's a development team. You want like good coaches, and you want to have a technician, and you like. So I know for sure it would be expensive, but I also think that being on a provincial team right now is quite expensive and people would probably be paying like national team team fees would probably be pretty similar to a lot of the team fees on a provincial team. But when you're on a national team, you get so it's so much easier to get personal sponsors and it's so much easier to promote yourself as a national team athlete um, that it would actually end up probably being cheaper for a lot of people than a provincial team, including team fees and including like, an extra few thousand dollars on top of team fees. I think just having the national team jacket and that under your name makes a huge difference when you're trying to do personal fundraisers. That's, that's what a, I've learned here. <laughs> that's why you were in your Scotia hat. I love it. You're yeah, doing exactly. a good job. You're doing a good job. That's such a fascinating point, Cass, that, that it, you can raise more money as a national team athlete. Um, Etienne, can I ask you, and you can tell me it's none of my business, but what's a ballpark figure of what you are spending on the Quebec team over the last couple of years and what you would pay to be part of a development team? Um, yeah, no, I think it's pretty out there. Right? I can probably say that, but it, uh, it's been about 25000 every year because we're, we're, we're lucky to have the, a lot of funding from the government and sponsor. So I don't remember that's exact, but I, think our season like per athletes is worth up to 70,000 so we pay less than half so that's pretty good but still yeah you can do the math yourself for how much my last four years cost <laughs> <laughs> Justine what would I, before, I will move on from development team after after this but what is the value of a development team what would you pay how hard would you work to raise money for what would you give for another three years but with a group of national team development kids as opposed to just quebec athletes yeah i think like what Cass said it's very important like the national team mentioned between uh, um at your name i don't know how to say it uh just it. beside your name okay sorry yeah. The national team beside your name is like so important to uh, get sponsored and get funding from the government and stuff like that. So just stepping up to national team will help help to fund like our season and stuff. And I think with equipment too, just like having equipment, more equipment and stuff um, for less. And yeah, for sure, I'm willing to pay what I pay for the Quebec team to be on a national team and have a strong group, group with me. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to, I just want to follow up on what Justine said. I've had a couple instances just this, this year where um, I was struggling to get what I needed material for ski material just because I didn't have the national status. It happened two or three times where the guy told me straight up, if you were on the national team, you would be getting all this. Hmm. You guys make some really interesting points here. Like, Cass, you're smart. Good idea. Let's go back to that. Yeah, um, I'm just 
what our whole group has been talking about for a while. It, they, and a lot of this is like our group's brains all mushed together. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, thanks for sharing it. Um, I want to go back to um, your development and your coaches that you've dealt with along the way. I, I, I'd say kind of all of you are sort of mid stride in your career or, or just past halfway point in your career from the time of starting at three to whenever you're done. I don't know. Um, Ralph, you said that you need coaches to explain things to you in a very clear, concise fashion. Can you talk about some of the best coaches you've had a relationship with, who they are, what they gave you and, and how badly you want that all the time? Um, yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely had many great coaches all throughout my, my career from when I was young all the way up to now. But uh, since I came to France and I um, started skiing with this team I'm on right now, Marsalis, I've, uh, I've met a new, new, kind, new kind of coaches, you know, the European coaches, and I really clicked with uh, their methods. And those are probably the coaches that, that, that have uh, helped me out the most because I was at a higher level than when I was younger. So it becomes harder to coach someone when, when they get better and better. So I needed that kind of caliber of coaches to help me keep improving, not hit a, a ceiling. What do you think? Can you tell me a little bit more about what you thought the differences between uh, North American or Canadian coaches or, and what you felt that European style coach, like what was that stylistic difference? Um, I would say a really big part was, I remember the first summer I came here for the whole prep period. Um, they looked at me ski, free skiing, a little bit of gates, and then they they saw things with like my position on the skis, like uh, like my inside knee coming in at the end of the turn, things like that. My shoulders rotating, and they really didn't like that. And then they took the whole summer to just work on position, my position on the ski, really slowly building that up, and it kind of. It kind of changed the way I looked when I skied. It changed the way I I was standing on the skis and made me a way more solid skier. And then I was able to build up from that. And then some of the stuff is pretty similar, pretty, pretty much the same. But that that was a that was a, a new element that I hadn't really worked on as much before. I like that, Etienne. Um, who have been some important coaches in your pathway, and what have they brought to the table? Uh, Julien Cousineau, of course. Cousy. Uh, Cousy, yeah. He just um, happened to be the best kind of coach at this point in my career, I think, because the way like he was, he just pushed you every day. And I mean, uh, I don't know how to really explain how he was, but that was like a really passionate coach that just wanted you to do so well every day that he, you know, sometimes he, he got mad when you didn't do well, but you just, at the end of the day, you just knew it's because he, he knows that you can do better than you did. So, um, yeah, I think Kuzi, yes. yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Kuzi was good uh, for my development at this age. And then um, uh, with, with Joe Blanchard, now that I'm, I think, uh, Higher level skier, he's just um, unreal with like his knowledge and how he teaches me like the the thing that I work on. Because I'm I'm a skier that really needs to have a lot of coaching during the summer. The I'm I don't think I ski well on my first day on snow every summer, and I really need to get like build back. I think mm -hmm. and um, yeah, the last two years Joe really helped me with that. And uh, Mary F too. Um, uh, yeah, I've always I've had some some good coaches, and uh, like they always provided me with the coaching that I needed. So, yeah, I appreciate that, Justine. I'm gonna change the question a little bit for you. What did you get out of some of the coaches when you were younger, and what do you think? Like, how has it changed to what you need now, and what do you think you'll need from coaches over the next couple of years? 
Yeah, when I was younger, I had a coach, uh, Marie Couture in U16. I think she helped me a lot, a lot to learn how to race and just like outside aspects of racing, like physical training and stuff, just like um, helping me through that. And then now it's more like on the skis, like trying to go fast race as good as I can and just like point out my technical stuff and like working very hard on snow too. So it's a bit different now than I'm um, older, but yeah. Do you take do you take a lot of ownership in, in what you're working on skiing-wise? Do you go to your coaches, Justine, and say, I don't like this feeling. Can you help me with this? Or are they leading, or the coaches leading the feedback loop? And does that change? Like, I think when you're younger, the coaches give you a lot of the feedback and as you evolve, it turns around the other way and the athlete gives a lot more feedback to the coach to pinpoint what you're working on. Where are you sort of in that now? I, I think I understand now, like I understand better my ski so I can like watch video and understand why, what I do wrong. Um, I'm working on something for a long time now. So just like back and forth with my coaches to like improve on that. Um, especially in my GS. So just like working with videos and coach to like see what I'm doing wrong and like try to feel it when I'm feel it when I'm skiing to like keep improving. So, yeah. And Cass, same question for you. You know, you, you grew up under the tutelage of Mark Shaw, who is one of the best coaches around and a soft-spoken guy. Um, how are you adapting from what you had with Mark to what you're getting now on the world cup? And what do you want? Is it the same stuff you need and want from coaches? Yeah, I think for me, a lot of it is I, I, especially this season, I mean, I never really had problems with confidence in myself until this season. Um, but I think for me, a lot of things that I need in a coach is just, similar to Raph, like somebody that looks at my run tells me what I'm doing wrong and so that I know exactly like I I don't like the riddles or what did you feel or what do you think like I like to know exactly what I can do because because I I just I don't know I if if I'm like left thinking oh well was that good was that not good what am I doing this right am I not it like starts spiraling in my head a little bit because this year I've had a lot of problems with my confidence when I'm skiing so I like the really like, like straightforward seeing it how it is. Um, but also, yeah, I was really lucky to grow up with Mark because that's probably why I never had a confidence issue in my skiing until now, because the way that he coached me was the right thing, the things that I needed to hear to improve. Interesting stuff. Um, Again, the idea that you're sort of in the midst of, of your career, Cass, what would you, what do you wish you knew when you were 12 that you know now? And what do you think you're going to need to know or need to remind yourself of in another four years? I think, uh, I think I would just tell my 12 year old self to keep having fun because like that there's nothing that beats having fun skiing. Uh, and then, what I think, I hope that I really keep fresh in my brain for the next four years um, would just be that every race is a new race and, and cause like, don't, don't beat yourself before anybody else can beat you. Like, don't be the first person to beat yourself down, you know, like always be the last one because I don't know, self-belief is, has been such a a game changer in so many different instances for me. And I think all of this team, all like all of the four of us here can feel that like we were ranked number 10 coming into that team event, but the self-belief that we knew, like we said the day before the race, we're like, guys, we can win this race. Like, I don't care if we're ranked 10 or 16 or what we're ranked, we can win this race. So I, I think not beating yourself before somebody else beats you is a really important thing to keep fresh in your mind. And being the last one to kick your ass helps. Um, at Etienne, similar stuff. What what advice would you give a younger version of you 
And what do you need to remind yourself as you go through the next few years of your career? Um, that's a tough one for sure. But um, I think uh, since last summer, I really improved uh, my mental part of the game. And I think we really underestimate how valuable this part of, uh, of an athlete is. So um, I, will, I would just tell my 12 year old self to uh, to learn a bit on that part as well um, but as far as skiing goes I think to keep on having fun I mean 12 year old you're like the, the races that you do at this age doesn't mean anything for after so yeah I think uh, I think uh, that's not really the, the question but I think we really un, like underestimate and don't talk about, a lot about uh the mental aspect of skiing because um, skiing uh, is so like complex and if you don't have your mind right, you're, you're not going to do anything. I think. Do you mean mind right when you're in the course, mind right in training, mind right in the gym, just in general wellness, happiness in, ge in general. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, I think the, the mistake that every skier does is to, really get get affected by the race that by the race you just did today and even if it's what if if it was a good result you I mean you you get caught up in that happiness and uh, the the day after you don't you don't do well or you know you um, or you don't do well and you let that beat beat you up and like you know you I think that that what really improved in my mental game is that I learned to just stop thinking about the race I just did and just prepare for the, the next day, like good, good or bad result. I like that. Um, Roth, this sport has very few good days and a lot of tough days. Um, and you don't know when the good days are coming because it's not necessarily they're always building up to a good day. It could be after a week of getting your ass kicked and then a good day comes as a coach. I've always said, like, don't get, yesterday's shitty attitude in the way of what might be a good day today and i think that's sort of what it's etienne saying is it is, is that something that you've come to realize and find really valuable is putting results in perspective wanting results going after them the next day every time you can but letting them go as soon as they they pass yeah for sure for sure that's something that was actually exactly what i was gonna say i wish i knew before <laughs> Um, I've, I've realized that the most important thing, this may sound a little obvious, but the most important thing is to ski well and to ski fast. And even if you're, you just had three DNFs, um, you didn't qualify for a certain race, you feel like you're bad at skiing because I don't know, you didn't qualify for world juniors or you made your team lose in a team event or anything. It's... I've learned to not let to not make that as important and to really just focus on how I'm skiing because that's because if you're skiing well it's it's going to come together at some point so do everything I try to do everything I can to focus on that seems to be working um last last question here um Justine if if you let the bad results go and, and there's not many good days. Where does this world junior team event gold medal fit in to, to your season? What does it do for you? What level of confidence do you come out with because of it? I think for sure it was my highlight of this season, just like coming as a team and beating such like good nation. Uh, I think it proved that we can be there with them. I can we can like compete at that level. I think that put me in the zone I was like reaching for, for my next races, just like I'm capable to race against them and beat them and like just pushing the rest of the season. Welcome back. Thank you very much to Justine, Cassidy, Raph, Ariel, and Etienne for an incredible conversation. And given a unique perspective, I think it's really great to, to hear these athletes in, in mid-stride in their career. So 
Thank you very much to them. It's now time for thoughts of the day. Before we share our thoughts of the day, as always, I want to encourage you to share your thoughts of the day with us at thenextturnpodcast.com or on social media, wherever you see. We've had some incredible feedback, some really smart people weighing in, and we appreciate it. Jeff, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts of the day? Well, guys, I mean, I'm not going to get on my soapbox again, but I, I do think it's unfortunate that you have three 20-year-olds and one 19-year-old who are great ski racers and just want to go medal. So congratulations to them all at the World Juniors who don't know what they're going to do next season and yeah. where they're going to go. And I, and I find that frustrating um, for a couple of reasons. Like, one, we don't have a process to fill this gap. Like where's the development process? And I know it comes down to resources and money and how do you pick and all those things. But certainly these kids should know just like high school kids, where they're going to school next year, like where are they going to go to university when they graduate? And these kids are clearly on the precipice of making the world cup. They're getting there. They're on the right path. Let's give them some direction or at least at the very least, let them know that we're supporting them and we're getting them, we're going to try and get them to reach their goals and get to that next level. I appreciate that. Kara, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts of the day? Well, I don't disagree with Jeff um, at all. Uh, I agree that I think there needs to be some more conversation around this. And I think that maybe there's something that we're missing. And I'm hoping that there's something that we're missing. Um, from this conversation that some answers that we just maybe are, haven't been brought to light yet. But for me, it was exciting to listen to Cassidy, Etienne, Justine, and Raphael speak about being a team and working together. And, you know, keep in mind when I was listening to this, these four have been racing together and training for the better part of their entire lives. And yet they remarked that they all got better throughout this week, training together and racing together um, in Panorama. And they fed off each other's energy and learned from one another. And, and today I saw three out of four of them compete at the Canadian National GS Finals at Georgian Peaks. And they are incredibly talented. So in listening to this conversation, what I found most interesting was simply uh, hearing them who at 20, uh, 21, I guess, 19 and, and 20 years old, they're essentially at the beginning of the careers. And they, they talk about things like school. Um, education is very important to them. Uh, they also speak about goals and of course their hopes and dreams. And each of them describes their learning process uh, in, in ski racing. And it struck me that they're so completely different from one another. They're all Canadian. They're all around the same age. Um, and I think that that's important for the coaches that are listening and even the parents too. And I know it sounds simple, but athletes are individuals. They're not robots. They have different needs and they all have different learning methods. And, and I just thought for me, that really struck home. Uh, I don't need to spell it out for you because you heard it. It was, it was very specific. They are uh, all individuals. And that, that was my takeaway. I just thought that was so interesting. Martin, like uh, what are you thinking? What, do you, what are your thoughts of the day? I like that take. First of all, thank you very much. Um, I, I really do like that take, take. I like the take that you had too about how hungry they are for a team atmosphere. Um, I was really taken, I was surprised by how excited they were, all of them, about what that camp beforehand meant to them and how much they crave a development team. Um, you know, Jeff spoke about the money a little bit, but I always believe that you have to speculate to accumulate, I think is the same. So, you know, I think Cass makes some really good points there about, you know, maybe we make the team larger and we, we help people raise that individual money to do it. It helps them as opposed to being on a provincial team or lost. We have these top juniors by every measure. These are the top juniors we have in the country, right? They're gold medalists. Say what you want about their other rankings or what have you. And like Jeff said, they don't know what's next. That's such a disservice. We we're so bad at this, at this, at that in this sport, the marketing of it, the spelling it out, lacrosse and soccer, they do a much better job of explaining what's the next steps are, what, like what to expect next year. Again, top juniors in the country, and there's not a lot of clarity. I hope that Alpine Canada is working on solutions for this. I hope they're being proactive. I hope they're finding ways to parlay some Olympic success, this world junior success to go get more sponsors and really solve these problems. These kids 
and these are four of them. There's, there's another 10 at the world juniors. There's another hundred at nationals. There's another hundred at Norams. Like there's so many kids in this place that are sort of left hanging. So we, we have to do a much better job. Those are my thoughts of the day. Again, I hope you all share your thoughts of the day with us at thenextturnpodcast.com. And I hope we get to continue this conversation in future episodes with future guests. We'll leave it there for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week here on The Next Turn.